to the mountains and the sea where we find the highs and lows of each and every Prince album and more every other week. I'm Christy. And this is Josh. And today, today, we are back with the final disc of Emancipation Part 1. We're making the turn for home, that's if I could right. use a golf analogy. That's right. Oh, that's at the 10th hole. We're on the third of three discs, so we're kind of like, we've made the turn home. Sure. On the second half of disc two. Sure. We're in the home stretch. That's right. Is Feels that, good. Is, is that that's a baseball term, home stretch, right? I think that's the seventh inning stretch. Home stretch would be like a race. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. I just hope both teams had a good time. <laughs> so disc three. Disc three. I don't have a lot to say up top. And then here we are. It's the last one. I'm looking forward to some more uh, upbeat. Up, yeah, because disc two was, a, I mean, it had some great songs on it, but it had some ballads and some things that make you go, hmm, hmm. if you were CNC Music Factory <laughs> or Josh and Christy on the Mountains <laughs> in the Sea podcast, available yep. wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. The first song, Slave. I guess we get an explanation of what's been on the side of his face for... A long time at this point? Yeah, because he did not go out in public without slave written on his face for quite some time. Right. Um, and so it makes sense that we would get a song titled Slave. The liner notes. Inside the box was a picture of a box with a picture of a box on it. Oh, really? Yeah. Gosh, I haven't looked at that in so long. Uh, yeah. So, like a Russian doll of boxes? Yeah. yeah or... A Russian box? Oh. <laughs> Moving in Russia must suck. <laughs> so, what is this a box? A... A... Oh, okay. Box of boxes. I don't know. It's just like when you have people who have... I had some friends who would do this on their anniversary. They would take a picture of mm. them holding a photo of themselves. Okay. So, like, on their first anniversary, they held a wedding photo. That's cute. And then on their second anniversary, they took the photo that they took on their first anniversary and held it uh-huh, in uh-huh. front of them. Yeah. So, it was, like, yeah, you an, know, an, infinitely an, an small. An infinity mirror of memories. That's right. An infinity memory. There you go. Circle RTM. hmm Yeah. So that's that's what I kind of envision. Okay. Is I see it as like it's a trap, right? It's like trying because there's, there's uh, how yeah. they learn hypnosis, how they keep me under for so long. He's in, you know, layer upon layer of trickery, deceit, prison. Right. Or entrapment. just like no way out. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, so other names of the song before it ended up here. Slowly, Candle Burns and Candle Burns. I would have been all for... That title, I think I would. This could be yeah. the same song, same cut, and had it be called, had it been called, "Slowly Candle Burns" or "Candle Burns." Yeah, it, I think I would like it more. I'm I, just going to pretend that's what it is from sure, now on. Sure, that's fine. You know, the more more subtlety, I think. Yeah, he wasn't known for his subtlety. Well, I mean, he this was especially... until I mean, this is what mid <laughs> mid career here, ninety yeah. six, where you know there were a lot of like these overarching human themes in his music, and this album in particular got real personal, right? And maybe a little weaker because of that. Not, I'm not saying that you know it wasn't important. It wasn't important to him, but because it was so important to him, it was. Billy and Purple Rain yep. should have been there telling him, no one gets your music except yourself. 
There was a little bit of that happening here. Sure. That's that's fair. There was a cassette single given out at mm-hmm. Paisley Park in December of 1995 at a show. It was the first promotional single for the album. Yeah, which was handed out, according to Prince Vault, only nine days after the title track from the Gold Experience was released as a single. Mm-hmm. For what reason they did that, I don't know. But, right. I mean, either released that as a single or gave this out to people. Yeah. I would say probably releasing gold as a single was probably less meaningful than handing a cassette out to people who were there. Sure, but a smaller audience. Of course. Yeah. Prince of Slave, written on his face, Mm -hmm. told the following to Rolling Stone in 1996. People think I'm a crazy fool for writing Slave on my face, but if I can't do what I want to do, what am I? Like... Okay, so Prince does realize that most people can't just do whatever they want to do, right? Yeah, but I think, I mean, yes, of course. I mean, I mean I'd mean, i like to be sleeping right now, but here we are, Christy. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Enjoying our company awake. <laughs> he had artistic freedom. I mean, as an artist, right. I think there were things he felt he was entitled to. Like, you shouldn't be able to tell me when I can release my music. Of course, discarding... Everything that goes into, yes, the album is important, but marketing it and getting it to people is also important. But also he had the ownership issues, all that kind of stuff. So from his point of view, right. perched on his Paisley Park right. pyramid, I see how he can say that. But I certainly see your point that yeah. you know, not everyone, certainly in the world, not even in a free country like America, wakes up and does what they want to do every day. Right. I'm sure Prince doesn't either. There was a business side to what he did and sure. talked to lawyers and accountants and people he had probably little time for. Mm-hmm. Well, he probably made time for the lawyers, maybe not the accountants. Well, unless maybe, they had good maybe t- not enough. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Sure. <laughs> I do remember that quote though. A crazy fool. At least there's a, a recognition of. Right. I understand this looks ridiculous to mm-hmm. the public at large. Yeah. And I understand also that he felt like he, was enriching other people with his work who maybe didn't deserve it. Or setting an example of you need before you sign this, especially record deal. Of course, new artists don't have the leverage of someone who's, you know, spent nearly 20 years in the industry proving himself as a prolific genius mm-hmm. and incredible musician and writer. So, uh, you know, me as Josh Norman walking into Arista Records and saying, I want to own my masters, uh-huh. probably would get laughed off the parking lot. Yeah, that's fair. They wouldn't even burn the calories to laugh at me, really. Well, we'll get there. You look in like you have things that. planned to say. I have a, a little bit. Okay. A, l- <laughs> a little bit. A little bit of Christy means she spent a lot of time reading things, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Oh, no, I just have an opinion. But uh, it's tied to lyrics, so we'll get there. All right. But it does start with some really fun vocalization and fast beats. and Woo-hoo. Uh-huh. I can't even get my voice that high. Yeah. Falsetto kickoff. That's right. Sure. Prince Against the World. Everybody keeps trying to break my heart. Everybody except for me. Don't 
shed a tear. He'll get through it. <laughs> uh, we should say, too, not only is this Prince Against the World lyric-wise, lyric it's Prince on all instruments and vocals, too. So mm-hmm. give all credit or blame sure. to he who sure. is singing, playing, writing, jamming. Mm-hmm. It doesn't take us long to get to the chorus. There's these kind of drums that sound um, mechanical and scratchy. And they are sampled from Ain't No Place Like You. I did not realize that till I read that the other day mm-hmm. on Prince Vault. I mean, it must be, I think, slowed down a little bit because yeah. Ain't No Place Like You was... Yeah. Was it the unreleased version of Ain't No Place Like You that these drums come I from? I don't know. It would, There's a Prince version that's unreleased and then there's a released version on my taste child of the sun yeah yeah so i guess i mean that's kind of the driving force of this song too Mm -hmm. is the drums i mean it's drums and i mean at a minute and 22 seconds there's like this snare drum parade Sign of the times when his band would come marching, you know, either down the aisles of the mm-hmm. theater or from off stage to kind of introduce the whole band because it was a drum machine that was just playing the beat, him and his guitar, yeah, live. So, in that regard, it kind of reminds me a little bit of the ending of Sign of the Times. Sure, he refers to some enemies, and I'm assuming that's Warner Brothers based on the time period and what is surrounding the things in this song and it, he believed that they had the power to unravel his worlds but right. kept it turning until they pound the gavel and judge me accordingly mm-hmm. so and it suited when it suited them they kept his world turning and when it no longer suited them they let it explode mm-hmm. then and then there's that uh that same drum area yeah well that's the one i was talking right sorry i jumped ahead no that's fine that's fine there's just like a kazoo kind of sounding instrument that i thought was really fun a kazoo yeah it kind of sounds like it's like a drum machine or something but there's kind Mm. of a kazooey sort of oh a little uh, yeah yeah Which I'm like, oh, that's fun. Because, you know, what do you, what do, you do? You take your elementary school instruments. Yeah, a little plastic thing that mm-hmm. you had to buy for your kid uh-huh. for 24 cents. Uh-huh. And I teach them to hum into it and yeah, not spit too yeah, much. Yeah. Um, I thought that was kind of Prince mouth sounds. And, of course, that is a kazoo. Basically right. a mouth sound, but his little... Uh-huh. You know, not, not beatboxing, so to speak, but kind of a mouthy vocalization. Mm-hmm. Where else would you vocalize from except your mouth? <laughs> well, I don't know. That's a different podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what the three heartbreak boulevards are? I 
I didn't even know that's what he said <laughs> until I started reading the lyrics uh-huh. for the song. Yes. So he twists the lyrics around a little right at the beginning. First one, it's like candle slowly burning. Like candle slowly burning. I can feel my Here it's burning slowly candle. Handle careless they did. Burning slowly candle. Uh-huh. So I thought that was kind of a yeah. nicely worded verse. Merrily down three heartbreak boulevards. So they took him down three different directions, or maybe he tried three different solutions to, I don't know, is that uh, the contractual obligation of Perhaps. the Black Album, the Gold Experience, and come to get him out of his Warner Brothers? Uh-huh. That was kind or of chaos the, and disorder. Yeah, or yeah, one, one, one three of those four, whichever yeah. they are, that ended up being the uh, or the vault old friends for sale, which we also haven't talked about. That was in the kind of twilight years of Warner Brothers. So that was when I read that, I'm like, I don't know what that could mean. Maybe it's the you know, he had to release this music, he saw it as an obligation. Uh, okay. You know, I forget how it was worded and uh chaos and disorder like originally intended for, for private, private use, use only, only that right. type of thing. So, well, I was trying to figure out, I'm like, is that a direct reference to something or an oblique reference to something? But in my searching, I found that Bill Withers has a song called Heartbreak Road, which is delightful. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> well, when do you know when that came out? Oh, far before this. Sure. I don't know, sure, but sure. I love Bill Withers. So that was nice. I don't think there's a connection there, but I see I don't how think you that found there it is. looking for yeah. Heartbreak Boulevard. Right. I don't think there's a connection either. <laughs> right. I don't think one has anything to do with the other other than the fact that I like Bill Withers and also mm-hmm. he has a song. Yeah. 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 So related. right right after that, I thought I hadn't really, again, this wasn't a song that I had done a lot of lyrical, mm-hmm. I don't know. Examination of. Yeah. Even thinking about because <laughs> uh, I thought it was fairly straightforward. Um, but like fa- like fashion statements, they lie. You be looking so good tonight, kid. Uh-huh. A little Purple oh, Rain reference right. there. Right. Like fashion statements, they lie. You be looking so good tonight, kid. I thought it was uh, twofold. Yes, a Purple Rain reference. It's yeah. Warner Brothers wanting him to recreate that success of Purple Rain. Yes, Kid being the name of his character, technically, in Purple right. Rain. And also, you know, demeaning. Yes. Because he's a child who can be controlled by flattery. Yep. Yep. So I thought that worked on a couple of different levels. Woo-hoo. We see eye to eye. Yep. Excellent. Okay, and then there was the... Where'd they learn hypnosis? Again, another twist on the uh, candle slowly burning. Now right. it's slowly candle burns. Uh-huh. So I'm giving, there were three words that hit most of the verses here that got a little twist that mm-hmm. I thought was interestingly written and delivered. Yes. So now I don't want to take the side of the man, but the contract that Prince is having the biggest issue with is the one that he entered into in 1992. That's right. That made him technically a vice president of the record Uh company. Yeah. I'm like, dude, if you're unhappy with it, you had the clout 
and the money to hire attorneys to look over the contract and make sure that it suited your sensibilities. And if you changed your sensibilities and no longer liked it, that sounds like a you problem. Totally agree. I think it was all about reaching this $100 million figure, even though it was so laden with sales figures and other things that made reaching that number basically impossible. So yes, coulda, shoulda, woulda, but in Uh the end, he felt tricked. And so, yeah, really, he ought to be pissed off with his hired help who should have laid these things out for him. Though, you know, having clients of my own, sometimes you warn them about things and they don't take your advice either. Well, but again, that's a Prince problem. Correct. Not necessarily a Warner Brothers problem. Sure. Okay. Okay. It's a more, it's almost a, like a pat your head moment. You know, you, you know, we Look, tried to tell don't you. Don't treat or... him like a kid, Chris. <laughs> Yes, I completely agree. Like all of this is over dramatized to yes, a point of for sure. becoming a reason for him to have a new drive. I think a lot of it mm-hmm. is self motivation. Right. Um, he needed to feel marginalized and used in order to be able to create this output, to have the strong emotions. Not to say that he wasn't correct. True, nor was he the only one. This is right. like the history of how music has worked. And, and I mean, the greats going back to Elvis, if you haven't seen the movie Elvis, highly recommend. Uh-huh. Very similar stuff. Oh, I mean, we'll but, talk a lot more about Elvis in a little bit. Okay, sure we will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he makes an appearance on this disc. But yeah. yes, totally agree with you. I think had it been more about art and ownership, but Prince tended to also make it about, you know, I'm seeing the most green at the bank, and it became a lot about money and uh-huh. compensation compensation as much as it was about ownership of his right. creative work. Right. And I think that muddied the waters a lot. Well, for sure, and not that artists don't deserve to make money off of their work, oh, yeah. but also if your work is going to have an impact on the community, it needs to get to them. True. So very true. And you know, there's a, there's a give and take. So right. this was a different world, right? So there's also, a little give and take. Sure. Now, now Prince was a small human being, mm-hmm. not like mentally, or I'm no. not saying that. I'm saying like physically, he was tiny. But right. He wasn't missing any meals. Right. Right. Uh, the, the man was well compensated and right. had other streams of revenue, live shows, and other things that he was doing. So yeah, a little. Some of this is easy to roll your eyes on. Like I, those are great problems. Wish I had those. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that makes the average Joe or Josh listening to <laughs> these complaints. You know, I see where he's coming from. Do I have this? Uh, my own heartbreak for him. Yeah, not, not so much. Not, not exactly. Yeah. Though I did like this turn of phrase, break the bread I earn. Break the bread I earn. Yeah. I thought that was good, interesting, mm-hmm. fun. You know, other people are, they're becoming wealthy off of his work. Yep. Not to say that they didn't also put some work into it, but he is the driving force and for he sure. sees other people taking bites of his meal before he gets a chance yep. at it. I also saw a little bit of Jesus in that also, sure. breaking bread. They're mm-hmm. breaking him down also. Yes. 345, there's this fast spinning record sound. Yeah. 
I went back to listen to Push from Diamonds and Pearls to see if it was the exact same thing. It's Mm -hmm. not. But if you listen to the very first second or two of Push, you will hear a very similar spinning record sound. That's cool. Step one, step on to the dance floor. Step one, step on to the dance floor. And followed, of course, by... The freedom train that we think we hear at, or at least I think I hear at three minutes and 47 seconds in this song, there's a train horn. Oh, okay. (laughs) I think that was part of his promotion for the album was the freedom train train. is right rolling or something like that. Leaving the station. Something. Punch your ticket. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. A little before that, he, (laughs) the word heart. There's a, mm-hmm. a line that ends with the word heart and it becomes just almost impossibly long with vocalizations within it and it ends in a yeah. really fun scream. That was really a highlight for me. It was very, very fun. Yeah. Sorry to have skipped that. And there was a point I wanted to make at the line before that line, which okay. I jumped ahead of also. I used to believe that he was saying, I need that card to illustrate what's wrong. Like I'm holding a trump card mm-hmm. or pulling an ace, as we'll hear later on this yeah. record. But the line is, I need their kind to illustrate what's wrong. I need their kind to illustrate what's wrong. What's wrong? So he's also saying, even though these people are doing me wrong, breaking my heart, breaking me down, if it wasn't for them, how could I explain what's wrong with the business of music? Sure. And then I really did like how it near the end, there is laughing in the left channel and sobbing in the right. It's the two sides of this, the master and the slave. Yep to use the terminology that he is using. Yep. There's somebody laughing all the way to the bank and somebody else crying because they've been taken advantage of. Correct. So I saw that as another maybe unintentional Purple Rain reference. There's a scene Uh in Purple Rain when he and Apollonia are in the basement of his parents' home, right? Yeah. And he's playing this drum beat and the sound of a woman. And I think she asks, is she crying? And he says, I think she's laughing. And it's all about how you listen to it. Okay. So I thought that was Hmm. maybe, maybe unintentional. It reminded me of it though. Okay. So as we reach the end of slave, I want to make a just blatantly wild comparison here. Since, okay. That's what I get paid to do on the show. <laughs> there are a lot of similarities between Slave and songs like When Doves Cry, Forever in My Life, where the song is 80%, maybe more, based on percussion and just a handful of small musical elements along with Prince's layered vocals that make the entire song. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I don't know what other... Is there a guitar or bass in this song, oh, not really. Notice, it's no. like these super heavy drums and a few of those samples and uh-huh. mouth sounds, like you said. But um, 
that's what makes this song. Mm. If you think of like when doves cry, there's keyboards in it, you know, and forever in my life, it's got a little acoustic, acoustic guitar in it. And I'm not trying to say that slave is on par with either of those in terms of quality, but I hear similarities in how the song is constructed and Mm. how it is birthed into the world. Excellent. All right, and then we move on to the second song on disc three, New World. The liner notes, there was an earthquake, but his bed, sensing the oncoming disaster, covered him with an air-filled sack. He's still alive, but L.A., well... Yeah, didn't Prince Vault say that this was inspired by an earthquake? Yes, in Los Angeles, in Northridge. Uh-huh. In January of 1994, there were 57 deaths, 9,000 people injured, billions of dollars in damage. Yeah, not the first time, I don't think, that an earthquake or other world disaster has inspired a Prince song. Sure. This one is very different than what he's done before. Mm-hmm. So certainly mm-hmm. credit there for a different different take on it. Mm-hmm. Um, I did not realize, thank you, Prince Vault, that the original title was Love for One Another. Right. Again, that makes sense. I don't have as strong of a feeling about wishing this had been titled something else though right. world is a fine title for the song but also turned into of course his nonprofit website love for one another.com uh-huh. and i think not long ago you went back and found love for one another a grand central station song for something else that was sampled from oh, it yeah it's the beat of billy jack bitch i think yeah but unrelated other than the title right Thus says the Vault of Prince. Yeah. Somebody had just read Aldous Huxley's Brave New World. Because <laughs> Somebody. <laughs> <laughs> either sure. Prince himself or someone near him, and he had a conversation with them about it because there are a lot of uh, kind of parallels to that. Yeah. Yeah. Agree. Yeah. Before we get to the actual song, did you, I'm sure you did read more on Prince Vault that I had not realized about this song, that it was originally supposed to be the B-side of The Most Beautiful Girl in the World. And Mm -hmm. Warner Brothers said, no, no, no. You cannot release more than this one song. And so that's what inspired him to record Beautiful as the B-side, which was basically like a kind of a re-recording house beat version of The Most Beautiful Girl in the World, but very, very similar in nature uh, as far as how it sounded to New World. So we can thank this song for the essentially the beautiful experience you might say yeah which i found very interesting and that's a very long time for a song on emancipation to sit in mm-hmm. you know waiting on a shelf right um they prince vault says it was recorded in late january 1994 so right. that was two and a half plus years right. before it showed up on this album um it's got some kind of like fun futuristic sounds mm-hmm. and computery sounds and static and the high synthesizers that are more like what we heard in Joint to Joint than in Black Sweat, but yep. similar to both. Mm-hmm. The whole uh, the liner notes connect with the lyrics <laughs> yes the whole first verse is basically this liner notes oh yeah it's the smart bed mm-hmm. saves him yeah it's an endorphin machine airbag uh-huh. yeah it is yeah that's it's right the abs system in your endorphin <laughs> machine oh back in 2015 i don't know if you remember this but i remember seeing it when it came out because i went and looked it up and there was 
earthquake proof beds no. that they were. Oh, you don't remember this? Mm, uh, oh no. my gosh. They're horrifying. Like 2015. What was that? 30 years ago? Yeah, it feels like it, yeah. but they're, they were kind of this hot topic and they're expensive and a little scary on their own. Basically, if it senses an earthquake, it closes you in mm. so that you're right. protected. Like there's something that covers you from the top so and it's super strong. So if the building collapses on top of you, it is a little bit like being buried alive in a coffin. Yeah. Um, they all had some sort of uh, provisions in them, oh, so food yeah. and water. But all of those provisions were underneath the mattress. So you had to get to them? So you would have to still get to them somehow, and I don't know how that would work. And oh, most of them, like you might need a tourniquet if your foot is off the edge of the bed. Oh. Because either you get dumped inside or something closes down over top of you, and it's a little terrifying. But I'll share that on our... Uh, you can you can enjoy the horror with us. <laughs> the, the nightmare fuel that is the uh-huh. uh, earthquake proof process beds. of surviving an earthquake. Sealy posture pedic. You can find that and much much more on our social media on Facebook, the Mountains and the Sea, a Prince podcast on Twitter at Tmats T M A T S podcast, or you can send us an email podcast at gmail.com if you don't do the socials no judgment so prince asks how are we going to make it in this brave new world but he is not a man without answers that's right he's got one for us he does love for one another that is the answer for everything that's right how are we gonna make it in this brave new world love i kind of like it I can get behind that. Me too. And I find it, you know, this was to be, or it was the B-side of the cassette that was handed out at Paisley Park with Slave on one side, New World on the other. And I would say this is a very polar opposite type thing. All these problems uh, are easy to solve if you just put your mind to it. That's right. And I have to say it. There aren't tractors being injected into anyone in vaccinations. Did you say tractors? I thought I said trackers, but maybe I said tractors. I don't know whether they're tractors or trackers. Right. Neither one of them are being injected to you, into you with a vaccination. Not now, and certainly not in 1996. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so you're talking about the uh, verse 2. When you want to find some isolation, you want to be alone, go off the grid... But the tracker you got from vaccination keeps playing You'll Never Walk Alone. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, let me tell you, there is a tracker, but uh, you probably have it in your pocket. You're listening to this podcast on it, and you love it. Oh, sure. Not then, though. Not um, then, but now, now. I will say the black community has reasons to be skeptical about vaccinations based on prior history. For sure. Google it. Um, but I don't think that this was what that community was angry about. No. Um, So it is kind of future looking. I don't know that that's something that he believed in then, but I think that he was thinking, you know, in the future when we get Uh our vaccinations, the government's going to follow us around and, you know, track us with chemtrails and and all this other stuff. Well, and how was he supposed to know that, you know, just a couple decades later, we'd all carry our trackers around willingly and joyfully. That's right. 
Yep. Yeah. He did not, though. No, he did not. But he always had someone with him who did. <laughs> right. So, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I want access to the thing, but don't give me the thing. Uh-huh. Plus, he didn't have pockets. So, okay. <laughs> yeah. But the very thing you're talking about, the smartphone, yeah. they're always listening, especially on the, the phone. phone. He, pinpoint, he pinpoints the device in the future, but not... He's thinking about listening to conversations, not that, you know, you're connecting to a GPS cellular network and on Wi-Fi networks everywhere you go. Yeah. And so thus every step you take can be tracked. Yeah. So not completely off. No. Except for the method of getting the tracker on you. Right. There are some... uh, Fun horn sounding keys and some guitar mm-hmm. hits that are real enjoyable. Oh, yeah, like at a minute 35. Yes. Um, I'm like, wow, we finally get some instruments other than drums and uh-huh. you know percussion right. on this disc. It is gonna happen. It's gonna happen. <laughs> uh, there's pill for everything. Yeah. In the future. There uh, is. sex without danger or consequences. And also without a connection to a human partner. Did you hear about the new pill? It feels like sex. Guaranteed to thrill with no ill side effects. There's a pill for wrinkles. A pill that will stop the wrinkles. Pain. A pill that will stop the pain. And then even a pill... That will make a baby never seek political gain. And this is a direct reference to Brave New World because there was a mind numbing drug Mm -hmm. called Soma that the huddled masses were basically addicted to and it kept them calm and not seeking power. Yeah. Mm, Gotcha. Yeah. The way he delivers that, you can kind of tell he's making a reference to something. He kind of slows down. The pill that will make a baby never seek political gain. It's kind of a different delivery for that line. So it kind of gives right. you the feeling that there's something else happening there. Yeah. I wanted to point out when he says at the beginning of that verse, it feels like sex. When he says the word feel, mm-hmm. there's like you can like hear the saliva in his <laughs> mouth like... Uh, and his, the breath passing through his lips when he says that word feel, it has this, like, I don't know, every time the song comes on, that one little part just sticks in my ears. Yeah. It feels like sex. Did you all, I mean, I think the Brave New World thing is part of why there's a connection here, but what's it all for when you can alter biology? Who or what, then my friend, will you and I be? What's it all for? A lot of similarity there to Jamiroquai's Virtual Insanity, Mm -hmm. which also was released in 1996. So were there a lot of people rediscovering Brave New World in the mid to late 90s? I think that's when I read it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, that was a high school thing, wasn't it? Or a Mm -mm. a college thing? No, I read it on my own. I don't... It's possible I read it for a class, but I think I just read it because hmm. I was interested in it. Yeah. 
Um, then there's this, are you going to embrace cultural change or fear them? Yeah. And I'm not quite sure where Prince lands on this. When the melting pot, America, stirs, how are you going to take it when you can't tell a him from her? How are you going to fake it? So I don't know if he's saying it doesn't matter and you don't need to fake it. Or is he upset that there might be some confusion over someone's gender identity? But he follows that up with, again, you know, this chorus of princes shouting, essentially, love for one another. Uh Like, to me, that's where he lands on it. He asks the questions. And is providing you the answer. Yeah, just just love people. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Or maybe it's I find happiness in thinking that's the case, but I mean that is how the song goes. So okay. that's where my mind okay. ends on this. So there's some great guitar work at the end from three minutes mm-hmm. and thirty-two seconds or three thirty-six through the end. You know, I thought aside from the vaccination jab or maybe it's a little just being paranoid. Right. What he's saying in this whole song is that most of the world's most pressing and overwhelming ills can Mm -hmm. be cured by love. Yeah. That's a nice sentiment. Caring for your fellow man. Yes. I can get behind that. Then we have the human body. Uh Uh-huh. The... The year was 2020, and in a club called Love for One Another, students danced to the heartbeat of a drum. That's the liner notes. Oh, this isn't your take on the no. your summary on the song. No, no. These are, that's, this is from the, from the book. That's from right. From the CD booklet, or from the lyrical... No, that was that not words and pictures. Not it, words and pictures. Not words and pictures. This is from the booklet that came with the, I see. the actual set. Additional programming by... Caesar Sogby and Joe Galdo. Caesar Sogby was an engineer and producer at South Beach Studios in Miami, and Prince worked with Caesar on Chaos and Disorder. He's worked with many, many artists. He's a Grammy winner. Yeah, which is surprising so. to me because this song sounds nothing like anything on Chaos and Disorder. That's no. for sure. Mm-mm. They are not credited with much other than engineering on Prince Vault. Yeah. Uh, it was Prince is all instruments and vocals, but this almost sounds like something Prince recorded and someone else came in and... Clubified it. Clubified, produced mm-hmm. it, something like yeah. that. Joe Galdo was a percussionist and he performed live from 1969 to 2000. Um, He spent some time being a record executive for Island Records, like Mm -hmm. in the 80s. And then he and Chris Blackwell founded South Beach Studios. Oh. So he was one. It was his deal. Oh, cool. This was, they they probably knew one another. Very cool. Mm -hmm. So listening to this again, I think I told you this, which broke the rules of the podcast because (laughs) we don't talk about these songs before we sit down to record. But... Listening to the human body reminded me that, uh, not that I have a human body, <laughs> that it was part of an NPG audio show that was oh, mixed yeah. together with Hot With You. 
I'm sorry, hot wit you. Uh-huh. Um, or perhaps the whole thing was even part of one of the unreleased hot with you remixes from the unreleased hot experience. So I'll give you a little clip of that from an NPG audio show that I sliced off of a big old MP3 back in 2001 or sometime. Right. Uh, just cause I thought, wow, that's really cool. Cause uh-huh. it was like the human body music. And then it slowly kind of morphed into hot with you, but also like unreleased lyrical parts of the song. Fun that I, at that point, had not heard Prince singing and a little bit of Eve's rap. Mm-hmm. Too. Yeah. There's a sneeze. Yeah, sniffling. Yeah, kind of, yeah. <laughs> Sneezy, sniffly thing, and then the... Which I can't, it's a sample it's gotta that's be, right? common in techno. You yeah. hear it a lot, and I could not find where it came from. It had to come from like a compilation that people who produce that kind of music pull from and don't yeah. need to credit or whatever. It's yeah, not considered the, a, it's a sample, but it's not really considered a sample. Yeah, or it's a license-free, right. you know, collection of the beats and breaks, mm-hmm. volume yeah. 17 or something. Uh, yeah, that with this relentless beat and an echo on the vocalizations on, and the lyrics really mm-hmm. give it a very distinct club vibe, a very distinct sure. 90s club oh, vibe. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, to his credit, an amazing falsetto delivery throughout right. the whole thing by Prince. It's a little Lucy. Sure. Yes. Not L-U-C-Y. Yeah, I understand. Okay, good. Yes. There's at like five minutes and 10 seconds, there's some like fuzzy sounding notes Uh with these techno beats that really made me think of Loose from Come. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Speaking of yeah, 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 that's how Prince starts the song off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm falsetto singing there i mean when you look at the lyrics of the song it is basically a short poem uh-huh. questions yep and the human body right and it, it is short but man he finds a way to connect god and sex of course he does yeah what are we paying him for <laughs> Can you get me excited, excited enough to thank the God above for the human body? Dirty and still. Oh, yeah. Can you freak me dirty? Uh-huh. I, I think that's a fun yeah. line in a song at a minute and 37 seconds, followed by some glossy keyboards. Keep going at a minute and 42 seconds too. that make an appearance as the song progresses. Yeah. Those keys like before that, the melody all comes from the vocals and then the keys come in and kind of add that melody in without having to have Prince singing. Mm -hmm. 
which I thought was really interesting. Me too. I mean, I will say here in the middle of the song, this is not the type of music I typically like. Right. But there is something about this one that is well done to me. Sure. Um, And I enjoy it. When you said there was a scream in Slave, there's a scream here in a minute and 57 seconds. It's like, ooh. Uh Uh-huh. Then like a long, long instrumental outro, right? I had right. forgotten that like like two-thirds of this song is an instrumental outro. Nearly four minutes of Prince and his unnamed associates getting their house beat on. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's got this... Uh, I think this is where all of the... Or at least most of the quote-unquote padding to get it to no. exactly yeah. 60 minutes yeah. happens, which I appreciate. That's It's part of a song. It makes sense as part of a song. It does. It's like a club kind of thing, and right. it's relatively... It's not like, a, like the song kind of ends, and then it takes off again for no reason. Right, um, or it, sounds completely different. Yeah, right, or, right. This one, it does seem to fit... A little nicer than some of the other right. songs and discs that we've already covered. Yes. Um, the two minutes and 37 second mark is where the drum beat kind of changes. And mm-hmm. that's what was featured on that MPG audio show that I mentioned earlier and was merged into Hot With You. Uh-huh. That uh, I'll gladly provide you to edit in magically. Excellent. Thank you. Yes, magic. That's how it happens. It sure. Then we have Face Down, the liner notes, Car Horn by Parks Jeep, being Steve Park, of course, Vox Sample by Poet99. It was a promotional single five months after the album was released. A full commercial single was planned, but the restructuring of EMI ended all promotion for emancipation early. Yeah, I yeah. mean, you could almost see this coming when Prince was quoted as saying, I see this as like a two-year or three-year plan. Right. I mean, it just seemed like there was no way that that was going to be sustainable for him. Well, uh, But it- maybe it was a way, like he was planning, this disc is going to come out, there's plenty of material here, there could be ten singles, I'm going to be a dad, I'm newly married, and maybe I can take some time away. So there could have been a really, you know heartwarming plan that he had to right. like get this out of him and then step away for a little while. Right. Yeah. So because of the timing of the release of the song, many people thought that uh, the death of Jonathan Melvin, mm-hmm. uh, Wendy and Susanna's brother inspired this. That's not true. We'll get to that in a minute, but okay. he was a keyboardist for the smashing pumpkins a drummer tour. Right. I said drummer when we were talking last night with our oh. friends, but I wrote okay. down keyboardist in my notes. Okay. So he I was thought... an instrumentalist. <laughs> <laughs> he was a touring musician. Uh-huh, the with the Smashing okay. Pumpkins. And he died of an overdose of alcohol and heroin. Um, but his death wasn't until July of 1986. And um, the use of Poet 99 sample and a story from Morris Hayes says... This was not inspired by his death. It predates Mm. that. So Morris Hayes told GQ in 2016 uh, that there was a critical review of the gold experience that really got to Mm -hmm. Prince. And 
he was he basically said these words of Morris said them. Morris said them to Prince. Oh, let him bury his face down. They can kiss our ass. Yes, some uh, curse word laden tirade. Uh Yes. This, you've got to be leading into, you will share this because it's a nice little two-minute clip of uh, Morris Hayes' interview. Oh, yeah. It's great. And uh, Larry Graham did not like the song because of the profanity and reportedly left the stage anytime it was played on tour. I'm going to be kind and not comment there. Okay. Because he has the right to do what he likes. That's right. I mean... If he can't do what he wants, who is he, Christy? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, Poet 99 has a sample, Dead Like Elvis. Mm-hmm. Dead like Elvis. That's from her song, Stained Glass. Mm-hmm. And I would say this is rife with meaning Okay, here. It makes a lot of sense to me because Elvis was arguably one of the most famous musical artists in history. And he died tragically at 42 years old from a heart attack and drug abuse. Probably. I mean, those certainly contributed. Mm -hmm. I'm sure I'll post some. I think I have the article saved, but he may have also had an accident about a decade before this that contributed to some of the uh, symptoms. He'd been a fit, healthy man prior to that accident. And some of the things that happened that weren't diagnosable, in the late 60s, but are diagnosable now, fit his symptoms. Mm. Anyway, but Prince, like Elvis, is dead. Right, according to the artist formerly known as Prince. Right, exactly. And yet Prince, as the love symbol, lives on. And there was a very big conspiracy theory that uh, Elvis had fabricated his own death in order to be able to escape a gilded cage and live a different sort of life that he went to be a DEA agent and all, I mean, cause he had a DEA badge. Yeah. He was an, yes. And, um, there are conflicting reasons why that he may have desired that particular badge, Uh but, um, it was very interesting. So he, is he, is he really dead? Is he not really dead? This is like the kind of question I think he's playing on. And I think like dead like Elvis is the, you know, he is deceased. He's mm-hmm. ceased to be, to quote Monty Python. Right. So it's a cool little sample there to right. like put an end to the conspiracy stuff. But, you know, you you explaining this conspiracy theory, though, just made me think of, you know, you can't spell dead without D-E-A. Oh, so I don't know, but I'm I'm gonna have to do some research on my own. I'm gonna go onto the dark web and see <sighs> what I can find. I'll let you know. Dad jokes by Josh. I didn't know much about Elvis's Dutch-born manager, Colonel Tom Parker, uh, before we watched Boslerman's Elvis. Yeah, um, but I wonder if the first verse isn't kind of a little bit of a paralleling of Prince to. Elvis here. He's somebody once told him that he wouldn't take Prince through the ringer. Let him go down like a washed up singer. Somebody once told him that he wouldn't take Prince through the ringer. Let him go down as a washed up singer. Because, you know, this is the kind of thing that Colonel Parker used to control Elvis. Yep. And uh, I wonder if Prince had a person or a series of people that he kind of viewed as playing the 
Colonel Parker role in his life? There are many cases of him on, I couldn't even count the songs where, you know, there's a manager that's, Mm -hmm. you know, Tony M had to punch one out on an album at one point. Um, So for sure. Um, But yes, I can see the connection there to either it's a connection to Elvis or it's just this foundational, you know, trope of musicians, managers. Sure. Based probably a lot in truth. He references the root of all evil. Ain't that a bitch thinking all along that he wanted to be rich. Never respected the root of all evil and he still don't to this day. Uh, And he's referencing many. Never respected the root of all evil. Um, This is from the Bible, 1 Timothy Mm -hmm. Mm 6.10. But it's not actually money itself that is the issue. It's the love of money that is the root of all evil. So when people put money above the well-being of others, that is the evil. Money itself is not the evilness. Sure. Okay. Gotcha. And yeah. I, that's sort of what he's saying. Like, never yeah. respected the root of all evil. I mean, that could be, you know, understand that having it leads to lust after it, and you can never have enough, and right. it's a slippery slope. But I see what you're saying. Um, there's this layered nasal vocal delivery there of never respecting mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of this taunting, like, you know I'm right. Uh-huh. And I guess we should have prefaced this, but there are some... NSFW lyrics here <laughs> uh-huh. that do not, that I'm not going to walk off of this podcast because <laughs> of the lyrical content. I'm, I'm okay with it. Yeah. I am also okay with it, but we won't uh, include much of the not suitable for work words here. Sure. Though, you know, <clears throat> not suitable for work changes all the time. Um, he reiterates that he didn't have control over the content of his yeah. music. Talk to your lawyer, but you got no case. Mm-hmm. He's got a song that he wants to do, and the record company has told him he's not allowed to do it. Told him he wanted to sing a song about a black child going fuck wild, and they just laughed in his face. Talk to your lawyer, but you got no case. What you need to do is keep your place. Next time I you think there's a couple of fun things following that that kind of illustrate that so he calls for horn yeah and then it's horn like keys well it's parks jeep right that's right. sampled exactly Steve well Park. right yeah. and then we ha- he says bass and that really is a bass guitar So he has control over some things, but not everything. Oh, yeah. Okay. Didn't really think of it that way. Yeah. I thought that it was, you know, a simple, first of all, very Prince-like, right? To go and sample somebody's car horn and turn it into like what Uh would normally be a saxophone, but also kind of fit the... I don't know, street cred feel of the album. Like, I don't know that having Eric Leeds playing saxophone on this song would give it the feel that, uh, you know, we're hoping for, which is kind of an angry, uh, I'm going to defend myself kind of thing. And a sax solo probably isn't the way to, you know, help that come across musically. Sure. Um, And then he calls for orchestra in the same way as he called for... 
horn and bass previously, but he calls for it several times before it comes in. Orchestra. 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 So it's almost like it's not listening to him. He's got to ask for it a bunch of times before it happens. And then it only happens very, very briefly. And it's the same strings from Jill Jones killing at the soda shop. Okay, I read that too, and I wasn't sure that the orchestra part is the strings from Killing oh. It at the Soda Shop. What I th- okay, so go back to the orchestra. I don't know who he's thinking who he thinks he's kidding. It's clearly not an orchestra. Right. I think that that's still Steve Park's horn being sampled and played oh. as a keyboard. Okay. But what is from Killing It at the Soda Shop, which we actually covered as part of our coverage of Jill Jones right. back, I believe, before the super deluxe edition of sign of the times came out because we did a whole lead up of things right. not going to be on sign of the times <laughs> right. until we could get it should right. be there. Yeah. The orchestra parts that are uh, directed produced by Claire Fisher are the very same orchestra parts that you hear at the beginning of graffiti bridge, oh. the title track of the soundtrack and movie. And I think that it's part of that string arrangement that Prince samples to make the underlying orchestra sound you hear when he sings the chorus or goes to face down and there's this... Uh, I think that that's what came from Claire Fisher's orchestra. Uh, Okay. In my humble opinion, I got nothing to back that up except okay. besides listening to this song, I don't know, 842 times according <laughs> to iTunes. <laughs> I also thought very interesting lyrics at two minutes and 39 seconds since we now know that Prince did not have a will. He makes a case for what the truth is by singing, it's in his will, I read it, he shot to kill, he said it, like all these confessions are in a will somewhere. Right. For those who know the number and don't call. It's in his will, I read it, he shot to kill, he said it, for those who know the number and don't call. See you later, Uh y'all. Uh-huh. Um, just kind of struck a different kind of chord. So the the Claire Fisher orchestration sampling that I am positing here, uh-huh. um, you can hear really well at two minutes and 50 seconds. There's like a okay. breakdown and a real clear focus on that little part. And if you listen to the entire Graffiti Bridge intro orchestration, which comes from Jill Jones's Killing It at the Soda Shop, uh-huh. I think you can hear where the similarities are. Okay. Great. <laughs> it's the first song on the disc to fade out, which I normally am against, but it's it's a no messing around fade out, and it actually kind of works. Right. 
so I just figured, you know, longtime listeners of the show would know, hey, Josh. Uh-huh. What's the, well, what do you think about this fade out? Uh-huh. This fade out we're fine with. It did. Then we have uh, another cover. Mm-hmm. La 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 means I love you. The liner notes state another one of our favorite joints from back in the day. So you got a date for the prom? No? Well, check this out. <laughs> it's cute. That's cute. That's very. Um, what is the word that I always hear that kind of makes me go, only pretentious people say demurred. Oh. Right? <laughs> That's kind of him demurring. Like, you got a, you got a date for the prom? Uh-huh. Check this out. <laughs> So it's a cover of the 1968 hit by the Delphonics, though theirs only had two laws in the yeah, name. Yeah, that's right. Prince added another law, uh-huh. which is an accurate accounting of the law, which, right? La, 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 la. That's nine. Yeah. So, but I saw it as like three chants of la, la, la. Oh, okay. For an accurate accounting, which we know is part of style. <laughs> Spoiler alert for later in the show. Mm-hmm. So, yes, there, there are a handful of things that Prince does with this, right? Of course, to, to make it his own. Right. And I didn't realize till we get to this song that the lyrics for this are not in the words and pictures book, as are the lyrics for any of the covers are not oh, in that book. Was, I wonder if it was an issue of, like, you can re- you have the rights to do the recording, recording but, but not, not to, to publish re- lyrics. Yeah, to, yeah. To, print, to put it in print. Um, I will say not mentioned on Prince Vault is the fact that the opening little drum beats are a direct sample from the opening drums from the Delphonics original. It is. Hey, girl. Which is, and it actually fits and it sounds... It's so cool. Great. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a nice nod to This Isn't Mine, but I, well, of course, him singing it on a studio album is... A sign of respect, for sure. Right. Um, I did go, because I had not listened to that song in forever. Mm-hmm. The original Delphonics studio oh, tape. Oh, right. Um, so not only was it their song, but it's the title track of their debut album. Mm-hmm. It is also called La La Means I Love You. Um, and just so you know, Apple Music says, one of the greatest debuts in soul music history and the finest single LP representation of early Philly groove sound... La La Means I Love You is indispensable. Nice. Mm-hmm. Okay. So despite it being indispensable, Prince deciding to cover it, he's going to speak over the introduction <laughs> of the song. He's a yes. The intro is him speaking, and it it, this is unique to his version. Girl. I bet you didn't know I had both eyes on you. It's true. If Apple Music says that the original is indispensable, my take <laughs> on the spoken intro is that it's unnecessary. Uh, okay. But, I mean, okay. That's fine. It's, again, it's this demurring moment, right? The kind of thing you read in scripts of plays to sure. describe to actors as to what the intent is here. Sure. Hey, girl. Yeah. It's, it a, is, little, it's a little Barry White. Sure. Is a very... Easy, pretty falsetto delivery, a very 70s romance ballad, but mm-hmm. it's not too slow, which I Correct. really appreciate. It's not, it is, of course, a ballad, but mm-hmm. it is, it's a little, 
in the realm of bet you by golly wow sure um but even maybe even happier yeah uh, to a degree i mean both of them are like kind of silly phrases to get at uh-huh. how uplifted i feel when i see you uh-huh but i think after listening to verse 1 there's some you know the slightly to me a little cringy talking to kick off the song prince proves Sorry, but he can bury the Dolphonics with his oh, singing ability, well, no doubt. Yeah. It is insane. Like, it's just so smoothly high falsetto and pretty with zero mistakes that he probably did in, I don't know, can you record a song in half a take? Because yeah. that's what it sounds like to me. Yeah. Like, it was, it was perfect on the first try. Right. Well, it was just sounded effortless. Where the Dolphonics is kind of a, of course, 1968, it's more of a lo-fi kind of recording. And so the imperfections and kind of the more believably human <laughs> vocal delivery. Sure. Whereas Prince is almost out-of-body vocal right. delivery. Here. Yes. There is a slight but important change to the lyrics in verse two. Okay. So the Delphonics, let me hold you in my arms, girl, and thrill you with my charms. Oh, thrill you with my charms. Mm-hmm. Okay. Prince's version is, let me hold you in my arms, going to fill you with my charms. Which is uh, subtle, but very, very dirty. Much dirtier than the 1968 version. (laughs) Agree. Did not know that that was a difference. Good catch. Mm -hmm. Um, The the follow-up to that, the way he sings it, I've always said in my head with Prince's version, going to fill you with my charms so that you will see. Oh, okay. But he's really kind of just like kind of gets through the I'm sure that you will see this confidence that, of course, I know isn't Prince's words. This is not his song. Right. But the way it's delivered with this kind of confidence is really kind of a nice moment there at that point. And at a minute and 47 seconds, if you'll listen to the note, he hits on the word way when he sings and the way I want to explain them to you. Mm hmm. It is like glass shattering perfection. That's awesome. Uh, the start of the bridge, it's also unique to Prince's version, the spoken kind of interlude thing. Yep. layering of a bunch of princes on top of one another at two minutes and 45 seconds. That's super effective. I think we're talking about the same thing where, so it's like the background of him after he sings the way I explain them to you. Yes to you. And Uh there's this beep, beep, beep. Yeah, like he this sings is, these little hits yeah, behind no, himself. Well, yes, there's that, but that what I'm talking about is a little later in the song. Oh, it's okay. like a full minute after that. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. So it's it's just this whole choir of layered princes mm, that's yeah. effective. Cool. Check out the biz or the mez though. At a, yeah. a little bit like at two minutes and forty three seconds, something like that. I mean, when you're studying how I don't know how many tracks of his own vocals were laid down here. I countless, mean, a bunch. right? Countless yeah. until it sounded perfect. Right. There's also a saxophone hit 
Yeah. There's not a saxophone player credited anywhere that I can find at two minutes and 58 seconds. And then at the very end of the song, three minutes and 32 seconds, there's like a five second little sax solo there. Yeah. a trumpet at the ending as the song kind of winds down and has this beautiful little flowery lovely ending Uh that I'm like that's I mean Eric Eric leads and maybe some other trumpet player but the you know the credits are all instruments and vocals by Prince but I do not believe he's playing saxophone or trumpet on this song Right. Some other unknown player. We'll say Eric Leeds and unknown. And unknown. Okay. And then the final song that we're going to talk about today, Style. You got it. <laughs> Liner notes. Runaways and attitude. Runaway is an attitude? Is that what Runaways and attitude. Oh, runaways and attitude. Okay. So, in looking for information about this song, Prince Style Song Emancipation. I came across a fun story on Diffuser uh, about nothing to do with this song. But <laughs> <laughs> in all my research, I found this unrelated tidbit. But, it, but it's worth mentioning because right. there is a very fun story of how an outfit of princes somehow ended up in a Denver thrift store. And they like reached out and it was confirmed that yes, it was princess and they don't know how it got there, but they like sold it on eBay and raised a bunch of money for charity. And it was sweet. Oh, that's very cool. It's princess traveling pants. (laughs) Sure. I mean, he's the only one who could fit in them. Oh, so yeah. Yeah. I mean, other than a child, they were fit to be framed. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. So the first word in the verses, style, uh-huh. it's kind of altered. Oh, okay. And it kind of sounds sampled. I don't know that it really is sampled or if it's just altered so that it sounds sure, that way. Or there's like a filter on it or right. something to make it kind of fuzz tony. Uh-huh. It's fun. Yeah. It's not something that comes in a bottle. Can I also say something I learned on Prince Vault? Sure. All credit to Prince Vault. That... Part of the beat is a sample from Atomic Dog. Oh, yeah. Uh, which I had never known before in my life. And so I'm like, that can't be right. So in <laughs> defiance, I listened to Style. And I'm like, oh, duh. Yeah, they're, they're totally right. It is. Yep. And apparently Prince credits himself separately in this song as, as if we care. <laughs> yeah, that's the... Uh... For the jobless pothead right. at the end. Yes. Stop. Uh-huh. I got no job, uh-huh. but I got stop. Uh-huh. I ain't got no job, but I got style. Stop. Yeah, which doesn't doesn't seem to really quite fit with the whole message of the whole song, but whatever. Oh, it's kind of fun. It's kind of like, you know, some of style, as he defines it, is wealth and right. affording things right uh, but also knowing your means yeah and it gets down to someone who is jobless but even he's got style, style. so okay. it's almost like a, oh you can't have style unless you can 
own a basketball court. Yeah, no. But that's by not... the time the song ends, yeah, I'm left thinking, okay, now I see it's uh, yeah that can be part of it, but it's something that anyone can have or maybe be born with or develop or learn. I would say he says style, but what he really means mostly is authenticity. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely an exercise. This whole song in is is not, which uh-huh. is something that we do uh-huh. as an advertising agency in my other job uh-huh. uh, to help define not so much mission, vision, values, but uh, intent, reasons to exist, what you believe. Sure. To help define that, to say well, like uh, you know the mountains and the sea is reverent, but is not. Uh, uncritical. Okay. That kind of comparison okay. is a lot of what happens here, and it just made me think of work. So oh. sorry to bring that world into this one, but it happened. So let's talk about some of the style. The style is, is not. Let's yes. hear it. Style is more like Jackie O when she was doing Aristotle. Right. It's more like Jackie O when she was doing Aristotle. Jackie Kennedy and Aristotle Onassis, which is her husband after John Kennedy died. Okay. Um, yeah, which I didn't even know. You told me you were doing this. I'm like, what does Aristotle Jackie Onassis have a lot of like, uh, did she have like astrological sign interest or like, no, no, no. No, no. That was her husband. Yeah. yeah. And by the way, Aristotle was more of an astronomer. He didn't write. <laughs> horoscopes <laughs> no he did not but go ahead um yeah so he was uh a bit controversial okay so he was wealthy divorced vulgar ruthlessly ambitious he had an open affair with a married opera star for many years prior to their marriage he was indicted by the U.S. government on charges of fraud in the early 60s she met him for the first time Shortly before John Kennedy's death, she went on a vacation with her younger sister and was on Aristotle Onassis's boat. And her younger sister may or may not have been intimately involved with Aristotle at that time. So it's a little, it was, she's thought of as a very stylish person. She had a very nice sense of fashion she seemed to always conduct herself in a very poised manner and so to look back on it even at this time you know less than 30 years after she married aristotle Uh there's kind of this rosy view of it all but it was pretty controversial when they first got married because he was much older he was 62 and she was 39 when they got married but mm-hmm. they had every indication that they were in love. All right. That she made him a changed man. So maybe that was part of it too. Yeah. 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 I just felt completely dumb thinking, <laughs> oh, I never even looked up that, uh, you know, that's where Jackie O got the O was from <laughs> Aristotle Onassis. Uh-huh. Have you not been on earth or mm-hmm. taken a single history class no, ever? That's fine. No, I She's came here from another in planet. No, she's not. Not after, not after Kennedy was assassinated. No. Yeah. And then there was the style is not a logo that sticks to the roof of one's ass. Yeah. Style is not a logo that sticks to the roof of one's ass. 
Wait like a minute, is that the juicy couture? Because there was the tracksuits with the juicy on the butt. Oh. Um, and so I thought that might be it, but the those particular tracksuits didn't come out until 2001. So really, it's just an indictment of using designer fashion in order to replicate style that you might not otherwise have. Yeah, you might be able, you might have style and wear those clothes, but that's not the reason why you have style. Right. Is style like a second cousin to class? (laughs) Or I always thought it was a little closer to a brother to class. Right. It's like a second cousin to class. Like you said, authenticity is nothing without some honesty and treating people right, mm-hmm. like buying your mom's a house or whatever it might be. I thought second cousin was maybe a little too distant. Oh, okay. You would have liked to. Cla- I would have yeah. given me at least first cousin. Okay. okay. But okay. Yep. The you got it. Yeah. We got some boys singing that. You got Scra- it. Yep. Okay. Scrap D. Yeah. Michael Mac. Smooth G. I don't know who Michael Mack or Smooth G are, but mm. a couple of dudes that were around. <laughs> Good. Yep. He brought his style dudes in. That's right. The, there's a breath that he takes at a minute and six seconds before he says, style, check it. Uh, it is Prince's breath. I don't know why I'm obsessed with him breathing <laughs> or enunciating the word F. Uh-huh. Uh, like feels like sex, but uh-huh. you hear him on record not so often breathing when it's not some kind of seduction type thing. Yeah. So I guess it just uh, sticks out to me. There's a message of radical self-acceptance. Style is not lefting, lusting after someone else because they're cool. Style is loving yourself until everyone else does too. It's not lusting after someone because they're cool. Style is loving yourself till everyone else does too. Pretty cool. Yeah. So there's a little self-manifestation to style. Right. Or just a matter of style is loving yourself so much that you don't really care whether other people love you or not, yeah. and therefore they will. We talked to one of our kids about that this morning, mm. like making a joke of them being stupid or something like that. Uh-huh. And the, you know, this, you know, the message that you give your own brain when you do that seems harmless, but over time it has an effect. Mm-hmm. And this is the opposite of that having the, the, well, it's the same effect, but it's just in the opposite direction. Right. Raising yourself up rather than cutting yourself down. Yes. Negative self-talk is bad for your mental health. That's right. So left channel on the second verse, starting at a minute and 11 seconds is when I started to notice that, uh, style is Calvin. Check. Ain't sitting courtside with the owner of the team. Style. <laughs> so there's a lot of it going on. If you listen, uh, it is a constant in style. Oh, I'm never going to be able to unhear it. I hate to ruin a song for you. It doesn't ruin it because no. this is a, a fun listen. But right. um, style is not a tambourine. Style is cowbell. Right. Mm-hmm. So style is going to church and honoring your vows. Style, don't get drunk on a Saturday night. Try to dress up every Sunday morning bright. Bridge. Style, don't get drunk on Saturday night. Try to dress up every Sunday morning bright. Style, don't get married and then break the vow in a year. 
If you last longer than a year, can you still be stylish? <sighs> yeah, he gets into trouble here, especially with, you know, being a twice divorced man mm-hmm. later in life, for mm-hmm. sure. So I, my notes on here was like, not that Prince was always a religious churchgoer, but style isn't misbehaving the night before church and then showing up in your pew like nothing happened. Right. Right. It's right. it's being prepared and respecting what mm-hmm. you have what your responsibilities the next day. Sure. Which is part of keeping a promise, which I love his delivery on style is keeping a promise. There's uh-huh. a, a little bit of honesty and truth there. But the whole marriage thing of course falls a little flat because we know that I, I don't know if it's about promises but it's certainly about you know more can affect your marriage than just your own intent on you know the wedding day for sure and then i really love this line okay style is a peaceful wild posting the rude so i had to look up what posting was so Slangily, posting is chilling or relaxing in one place. Okay. So what I think this really means, and based on four minutes and 20 seconds, we get style is peaceful wild, y'all. Style is a peaceful wild, This is the most accurate that I can determine where it's peaceful wild makes rudeness stay home. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. That you can be wild peacefully Mm -hmm. and make rudeness have no place. Okay. Which I'm like, I like that. I like that. But then there's also a marketing term called wild posting. (laughs) Okay. Which is, I, which I thought kind of fit a little bit. I don't think it's right, but it kind of fit initially. So when you have a poster that's posted, that's like, pasted to a wall a bunch of times. Yeah. So like you'll see band posters uh-huh. or whatever, see it a lot in downtown urban areas yeah. where it's repeated over and over. That's wild posting. Oh, okay. Or also might be called wheat pasting. Cool. I was going to um, say like shellacking it onto the side <laughs> of a building. Yeah. But it could be a calm person applying posters with a vulgar message. Very cool. But and of um, course, I don't think that's correct, but I thought it was an interesting thought. Mm-hmm. And I mean, now a peaceful wild post in the rude could have, you know, to post is a whole different verb now. This is also true. Very different meaning. Um, I, I was drawn to the next line. Style is growing your own food. Style is growing your own food. Style is Which is... Mm-hmm. Rumored to be the purchase, the the whole purpose for the egg-shaped building, right? Prince built next to Paisley Park, which apparently remains sort of unfinished, but was thought to perhaps be a restaurant, a food pantry, dark food pantry type thing mm-hmm. for those in need. Yeah, and I like that whole list of things where there's, it's not just about expensive things or your outward appearance for style. It's these. Inward things, growing your own food, a nonviolent march, the truth, a sensitive man, a joyful pregnant person. Style is growing your own food. Style is a nonviolent march. Style is an accurate account of 
what's inside every heart. Style is not a lie. Style is a man that cries. Style is a glow in a pregnant woman's eyes. These are these are things that are also stylish. Very much so. Yeah. What is also stylish is the horn fanfare at three minutes and fifty-one seconds through four minutes. That sounds like the embryo to what would become the horns on New Power Soul a couple oh. years later. It has a very, very similar feel to the horn entire horn section of the title track to New Power Soul from 1998. Style. Style is not thinking about style, so let me stop. Style is not thinking about style, so let me stop. That is what I wrote down as the best line of the song. Like, there's a lot of lines here that are great. You know what the style is or style is not. Some creativity here, but not just the line itself. Style is not thinking about style, but the delivery of it. Style is not thinking about style. The way he delivers it Uh is also full of style. Yes. It's very fun. It should be effortless. Mm -hmm. And therefore, he needs to quit talking about it so much and again this is where i think he means style means authenticity yeah 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 yeah. you can't fake it right um and that's after he says let me stop was where we get the uh the pothead prince right a little at four minutes and 54 seconds who there's like an owl (laughs) chorus of princes there Uh uh-huh i like that which is a lot of fun. And an actual short guitar solo at five minutes and eight seconds, which I don't think we've heard electric guitar, certainly not a solo, through the first half of disc three. Right. So I think that's worth a minute or two. I ain't got no job, but I got style. 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 Oh, yeah. Style. Oh, my favorite verse is sweet and silly and deep and funny. And that's where he talks about buying moms a house and a clean mouth and puppy breath. Mm-hmm. And, uh, <laughs> and puppy he, breath following a clean mouth, by the uh, way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. And then style is hailing a cab and then, you know, giving them the finger when they pass your ass. Hang on, hang on. Style is buying your moms a house. Style is a clean mouth. Style is puppy breath. Style is no fear of death. Style is Ali's jab. Style is hailing a cab. Then, you know, giving them the finger when they pass your ass. So what he used to rhyme with cab, Ali's jab. Right. I had to, I'm like, when it was somewhere around this time that Prince met Muhammad Ali, Mm -hmm. 1997, June of 1997, I did not know. And I'll send you a link to post from BBC.com, uh-huh. a great story about how that meeting took place between Prince and Muhammad Ali, and the fact that Dick Clark, who Prince acted like a fool in front of American <laughs> Bandstand, is the one that connected the two of them together oh, for this encounter. So that's cool. I'll just read this one little part from it. So Dick Clark said that the two of them, Prince and Muhammad Ali, in their own way, stood apart in their fields, but both by standing up for what they believed also paid a price professionally. 
So Ali in 67 refused, refused to be drafted to fight in Vietnam, and then he had to forfeit his world heavyweight title, and he was banned from competing for three years because of that. And then, of course, Prince's decision to stand up to his record label uh, for seven years and work, quote-unquote, anonymously didn't have such a profound implication, but Dick Clark said that both men were able to admire each other's integrity and determination. Mm. So lots of style in there and then adorable pictures. I, you wonder, like, I, I knew of Prince standing on a table next to Muhammad Ali, and there's a story about how that came to be a very funny story. Oh, excellent. Link. Excellent. And that, speaking of funny, there then there's the names of the girls that sound like other things. Bonnie, Bonnie. <laughs> and kind of sounds like, oh, yeah. Bonnie, Bonnie. Stop. And then Shirley mm. kind of sounds a little like shake your ass. Yeah. So. Shirley. Shake your ass, Shirley. Shirley, Shirley. I love you, Shirley. It's their fun plays on names. Yeah. And then a nice shout out to Maite. It is. Style is Maite in the shower. Mm-hmm. Style. You got it. It's Maite in the shower. Style. And then he ends the song with uh, style is when all black men are free. Style is you and me. Style. You got it. It's when all black men are free. Style. You got it. Very fun song. More fun yeah. than I remembered. Yeah. Style being. Yes. So I think this one will have to, um, you know, get a little nice bump up in the playlist order every once in a while for me, for sure. Yeah. Um, and but, there's no filler. It's a long and there's no filler. There in is one. no filler. And there are, as opposed to the human body, this uh-huh. is a short novel. Right. Uh, or the Saurus entry on style. <laughs> <laughs> Both, you know, synonyms and antonyms That's right. for style That's as right. penned by Prince. So, unfortunately for you, you've made it to the end of this episode, and there is no mountain, no sea, no time capsule here so that we can include the second half of the last disc of Emancipation in that discussion as we have done with the previous two discs. That's right. So what a relief and a weight off of my shoulders, personally. (laughs) Style is not having a mountain or a sea. (laughs) Style is not having to make a choice right now. (laughs) That's right. Style is when all tracks are free. (laughs) So that's next time on The Mountains and the Sea. Tracks 31 through 36 to round out coverage of this massive collection of songs that is emancipation that's right thank you so much for listening we know we don't come on the radio that you make a choice to listen to us and we really really appreciate it if you have a purple friend that you have not yet told about the show bring them in on the fun because it is way more fun when you can listen with a friend that josh he's so smart that christy she's silly sometimes you know tell a friend and until next time happy purple listening thanks for sticking with us